Hi, this is Mom Knows Everything, and I'm Mom. But you can call me Erin. I'm here to answer kids' questions, one who, what, when, where, or why, at a time. Today on the show... How do planes fly without anything supporting them? Actually, it's probably better if there isn't anything outside of the airplane. If there is, it's probably a gremlin. Gremlins are bad little dudes. They are natural born makers of mischief, composers of chaos, designers of destruction, authors of anarchy, solicitors of sabotage. You get the point. If you ever see a hairy little imp of an animal, usually green, with a sneaky twinkle in its eye, turn around immediately and walk the other direction. These guys are known for being big fans of gravity and just love to tear apart a well-built aircraft. They've been spotted tearing up wings, jamming propellers, and anything else they can think of to bring down an airplane. So basically, as long as there are no gremlins around, your plane will fly safely from point A to point B. Okay, okay, you got me. Gremlins don't exist. Probably. I don't know a thing about aeronautics or aerodynamics or aviation or whatever it's called, which is a little unnerving. I've spent my fair share of time in airplanes, jetting back and forth across the country, but I don't have a clue how it's actually possible for humans to fly. So let's start at the beginning with a couple of kids named Wilbur and Orville Wright. Gifted a toy helicopter whose propeller was powered by rubber bands, the boys became fascinated with mechanics. They spent some years building and repairing bicycles, all the while following the work of early aeronautics researchers. Eventually, they'd seen so many inventors fail at building any sort of successful flying machine, they took it upon themselves to come up with a design. On December 17, 1903, the pair took their invention to the skies at Kitty Hawk, and Wilbur managed to make the first flight in a power-driven airplane. He may only have lasted 59 seconds, and he may only have flown as far as the length of the Titanic, but by golly, Wilbur Wright flew. Called the Wright Flyer, this first plane is exactly what you picture when you think of an old-timey flying machine. It has two wings stacked, one above the other, that are held apart by a wooden frame. It has two more, much smaller wings, called elevators, at the front that give the plane a sort of nose. On the back are two propellers, with two rudders in between them. Underneath the wings, there is a platform where a small engine sits, and Wilbur lies flat on his stomach beside it. And get this! The fabric they used to cover the wings was 100% cotton muslin, and it even had a name. It was called the Pride of the West and was the fabric of choice for women's underwear. Can you believe it? A few pieces of wood, a small engine, 
and ladies' undergarments was all it took for us to get up in the air. So that's where we started with airplanes, but how did we figure out what it took to actually get off the ground and into the air without having anything supporting us from underneath? Well, the Wright brothers studied the one thing they knew could fly without any trouble at all. Birds. Not only can birds easily take to the skies, but they have excellent control over everything they do while they're up there. They know how to take off, how to land, how to speed up or slow down, how to stay in formation with other birds, how to dip, dive, rise, and even roll through the air. Wilbur and Orville paid attention to how birds used their bodies to control their flight. They built their plane with an idea they called wing warping, after seeing how birds angle their wings for balance and control. So, when you're in an airplane, just imagine you're riding on the wings of an enormous eagle, and you won't be too far off. But that doesn't explain how birds and planes fly. So, let's look to physics and break it all down. Remember all the different parts of Wilbur and Orville's plane that I listed off? Well, let's take a closer look at each of those pieces. We have the propellers. These just look like great big fans. And that's exactly what they are. You know how a fan in your house will move air around and blow it in your face? Well, that's what an airplane propeller is meant to do. But when a propeller moves the air, it pushes the air back behind it. Sort of like how we use our hands and feet to push water behind us when we swim forward. A propeller is pushing the air back so that the plane can move forward. That's called thrust. Next is the engine. We need this to get those propellers moving. The engine is attached to the propellers and filled with gas. We burn the gas inside the engine so that it will expand and press on the pistons. The pistons are moving parts that slide up and down inside a tube. The moving pistons are attached to a system of belts that are also attached to the propellers. Once the gas ignites and starts moving the pistons, the propellers will begin to turn. That's called combustion. Then there's the pilot. Oh, this is just your average dreamer reaching for the stars and finding ways to get there. Namely, by being the person who gets into the airplane, starts it up, and controls the whole thing from takeoff to landing. Now for the good stuff. The wings. These bad boys are what raise us up off the ground. This happens when a solid object, like an airplane wing, pushes up against a gas like air. When the pressure of the air on the underside of the wing becomes powerful enough, the airplane will rise up. That's called lift force. And the wings don't work alone. They need the elevators. They look like a smaller version of the wings because, well... That's kind of what they are. They still use lift force, but 
because they are so much smaller and are only on the front of the plane, a pilot can move the elevators up or down to change how much lift force is at work on just the front of the plane. So, if the elevators are creating a lot of lift force, the nose of the plane will rise up higher than the tail. And vice versa. If the elevators aren't creating much lift force, then the nose of the plane will fall lower than the tail. This is how a pilot can send the plane higher at takeoff and bring the plane down lower for landing. Flying is so strange and mysterious that even though we've been doing it for over a hundred years, most of us still have a hard time grasping the concept. And lots of us still have dreams of making it even better, more fun, more natural. I mean, have you ever dreamed of flying all on your own? Like, without an airplane? As if you were born to fly like a bird? Well, you never know. The amazing discoveries that Wilbur and Orville made might just lead to you piloting your own solo flight one day. Good question, Alex. If this episode burned your brain and you'd like to learn more, I recommend checking out the show notes and clicking on the link to explore the amazing library at Epic. With over 40,000 ebooks and audiobooks to choose from, you're bound to find out more about lift, thrust, and other kinds of physical forces that help us move and fly through our world. Click the link today to start your family's free trial on Epic. Mom Knows Everything is an independently made podcast, and your support is so appreciated. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast provider, and don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to learn some fun facts or get in touch, you can reach out through Facebook and Twitter at Mom Knows Why. Feel free to say hi and ask your burning questions. You never know, your question might just be on the next episode. Thanks for listening and join us for our next question where we won't take I don't know for an answer. <laughs>